0: Some people say um, when they go to sleep, well, at least when I have a chat with uh, Gerra, um they close their eyes, and then the next thing they, they know, it's the next morning, right? No dreams at all. Uh, but me, on the other hand, I, I dream a lot, and I dream pretty, pretty wildly. Uh, it ranges from flying uh, to the, often this one, the brake line of my car failing, Um, And then one of my favourites are defeating vampires and shooting zombies. Um, But there aren't only dreams in our sleep. There are also daydreams and dreams of hope. An African-American had a dream as he stepped up onto the steps in front of Lincoln Memorial in Washington, D.C., uh, In 1963, a monument, Lincoln Memorial is a monument of freedom. I have a dream, he said, that one day sons of former slaves and sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the colour of their skin, but by their character. Let freedom ring, he said, from the hilltops of New Hampshire. Let freedom ring from the mighty mountains of New York. When we let freedom ring from every state and every city, we will be able to speed up that day when all of God's children will be able to join hands And sing in the words of the old spiritual, free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, we are free at last. From the American dream of equality for all to the dreams of Negro workers who sung, Martin Luther King kind of connected the dreams of the past with the dreams of the present. And in that moment... These dreams planted seeds that would one day be reality or becoming reality. Dreams are important, sleeping dreams, daydreams, and dreams of hope. But what do they have to do with the book of Isaiah and Alive at Five? Well, a Bible scholar once wrote that the book of Isaiah is about imagination and In other words, I think it's a dream, and it's God's dream. God takes the microphone on the steps of our monuments of hopes and desires this evening and declares to us, I have a dream. He connects the dreams of our past with the dreams of our present, and in that moment, The dreams plant seeds of reality into our lives. So as we look at Isaiah 42, let's close our eyes and dream with God this evening in prayer. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, the great dreamer of a future unknown to us Your servant Isaiah, his name means Yahweh is salvation. And you gave him a dream where this is real. So we pray this evening, lull us into an Isianic sleep where we can imagine this Isianic world. Give us Isianic imagination to daydream your Isianic vision into reality, and it's in the name of your dream made human, we pray, in the name of Jesus, the one who saves, amen. This evening, there's two points. Uh, First, we'll look at God's dream, which is chapter 42, verse 1 to 9, and then we'll look at God's dreamer, which is chapter 42, verse 18 to verse 23. God's dream and God's dreamer. Uh, If you've been with us at um, Springwood Wimmerley Presbyterian Churches, we're looking at the whole Bible and we've landed in the book of Isaiah. Uh, And the book of Isaiah is showing us in the history of God's people uh, that they're taken out of home, taken out of their land and placed in another land. I don't know about you, but whenever I go back home to my childhood home where my parents still live, um, I'm, I've got mixed feelings I don't go back to my room because it's exactly the same how I've left it. Um, but um, there's a sense of belonging there's a sense that this is a place where I can be, but sometimes it's where I, my adolescent self can be but there's still a sense of this is my place. I can put my Feed up. This is home. There's a special connection that we might have with places, don't we? The people of Israel have been taken away from their home. They're not refugees. They're prisoners of war. There's nothing there to ground them. There's no physicality for them to ground. There's no temple. Uh, there's no high places. There's, there's nothing. Nothing to hold on to for, for an identity. Marginalized, trauma, and feeling small. Our passage tells us that, doesn't it? If you have a look at verse 22, it describes it to us. I'm going to read it from a different translation. Verse 22. But this is of people battered and cowed, shut up in attics and closets Victims licking their wounds, feeling ignored and abandoned. Where is the fairness? Where's the justice? If God is good and fair and just, where is God? Strangely enough, that sounds a little bit like some of our personal experiences, doesn't it? Or when we don't have to look very far... Before we begin to ask where justice is, when people are battered and shut up in attics and closets, victims ignored and abandoned, if God is really just, where is He? We might start dreaming, like Peter, Paul, and Mary did on 1963. They got up and started singing that justice was like a hammer, a hammer of justice, that I'll hammer in the morning and I'll hammer in the evening. Or justice is a siren, a chant that will siren in the morning and siren in the evening and sing in the morning and sing in the evening. And we might start dreaming how God might bring about this justice. I have a dream declares God. Verse 1, He is my servant whom I uphold. He is the chosen one in whom I delight. He is filled with the Spirit and he will bring justice, the fairness and rightness of God, not just to the Israelites or God's people. What does it say in verse 1? He will bring justice to the nations, the Goyim, those who are not God's people. And this justice warrior isn't who we might think he is. He's not woke in the same way that we might think a justice warrior might be. Rather than being loud, attention-seeking, or crying out during distress, He won't even raise his voice in the streets. Verse 2. Rather than storming in, breaking down, verse 3, he won't even break or bend a bruised reed. Rather than snuffing out and cutting down, at the end of verse 3, in the middle, a smouldering wick, smoldering candle, he won't even let it burn out. And notice at the end of verse 3, what does it say? In faithfulness, he will bring forth justice. It seems God here is connecting gentleness with faithfulness. Faithfulness in serving God is the gentleness that is described in verse 3. But even though he's gentle, he's not a pushover, is he? Verse 4, he's not going to be, he's not falter. He won't falter. He won't be fickle. He won't be discouraged till he establishes justice on earth. He will continue to do what he has to do until he gets things right no matter how long it's going to take. I guess we could summarize with just verse 1 to 4 that he is a gentle, patient, and trustworthy servant. A servant who's gentle, patient, and trustworthy. Sometimes I've experienced people who are gentle and patient, but they aren't trustworthy. They might be nice and kind, uh, but they're slithery and manipulative. Other times we've experienced or I've experienced people who are trustworthy, but they aren't gentle or patient. They might be about truth, about rightness, but they're coarse and corrosive. But this servant... Is gentle, patient, and trustworthy. He's also, verse 6, called by God and then guided by God. Verse 6 continues He is strangely a covenant, an embodied promise for people. He's going to shine into the lives of those who don't know God. And verse 7, he's going to make the blind see and release the captives free. A servant who is gentle, patient, trustworthy, godly, carries with him what God's promise looks like, shines godliness to those who don't know God, and is powerful enough to bring justice. It's too good to be true. Dream with me says Yahweh, perhaps this might be real. He connects the dreams of the past with the dreams of the present, of justice with his worn-out people and says, dream with me, even if you might not feel it at the moment. Dream with me that I, Yahweh, is still, verse 8, Yahweh, that is my name. He is still the covenant-keeping God. He is, verse 9, the creator God, and the new things that he will make will come into being. Dream with me, Yahweh says. Even if you haven't experienced it at the moment, even if you might not believe, Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one whom I delight. I will put my spirit in him and he will bring justice to the nations. Who's the servant? You might think, well, there's only three answers to a question, Jesus, Bible, or context. But it might not actually be what we think he might be, or at least at the moment. I don't know about you, but sometimes a dream is so vivid that you think it's real. For example, I often get the dream that I wake up thinking I've I've finished, I need to have this essay, English essay due on Friday. And then I wake up only to remember after a couple of moments that I've already finished the HSC 10 years ago. (laughs) Um, I don't need to do another English essay. It's not due. Uh, sometimes our subconscious breaks into our reality and we begin to live out our dreams. And sometimes dreams of hope have the opportunity to break into our reality and plant seeds and become real. The dream of, say, Martin Luther King Jr. broke into reality When it planted seeds into the hearts and minds of those in 1963, and then the long road of freedom began. And for those who dream with Isaiah, God's dream breaks into their reality and it starts planting seeds. Have a read with me, verse 18. This is the second part God's dreamer. Verse 18. Hear, you deaf, look, you blind, and see. Who is, this, who is blind but my servant, and deaf like the messenger I send? Who is blind like the one in covenant with me, blind like the servant of Yahweh? Wait a minute. Can you hear what God is dreaming here? The gentle, patient, trustworthy servant in verse 1 is not who we think he might be. This servant is portrayed here as you. And the you in Hebrew here is plural. It's a group of people. The servant in verse 1 is a group of people who are supposed to be messengers, who are in covenant with God, who in verse 20 have seen many things. And I think in the context of 42, it's the exile that we've just read, verse 22. People plundered, looted, all of them trapped in pits. The gentle, patient, trustworthy servant are readers of the book of Isaiah. God's people who have the scroll of Isaiah before them after the exile, they are the chosen ones. They are the delighted in ones. They're the spirit-filled justice keepers, captive freers, and covenant makers. But I think when we look in history, the dream of a gentle, patient, trustworthy leader could very well be that, a dream. Verse 20. You have seen many things, but you pay no attention. Your ears are open, but you do not listen. God's people continued to be spiritually blind and spiritually deaf. Whenever the book of Isaiah was read, the dream of this servant of God could very well be that, a dream. Until that one day, 2,000 years ago, A young man steps up onto the steps of a synagogue at the back. Takes out, well, the scroll of Isaiah is before him. He opens it and reads, I have a dream. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free. He rolled up the scroll and sat down and said, Today, this dream is fulfilled in your hearing. That same young man stood dripping with water in a river, muddy river, and a dove flutters down. But it's not a dove because in this dream, it's the Holy Spirit. And he's filled with the Holy Spirit. And a voice from heaven calls out, This is my dream. Servant, my son, in whom I delight. This same man, when a person with a withered thumb or a withered hand stretches it out like a bruised reed, he doesn't break it. He heals it like a dream. When people were ill and weak and their life was on the edge like candle in the wind, he doesn't snuff it out. He gives them life and life to the full, like a dream. And on the night of this man's betrayal, he took the wine and said, This is my blood poured out for you. And in this dream, the wine looks suspiciously like blood flowing from nails on a cross. He took the bread and he broke it and he said, This is my body broken for you. And in this dream, it looks like the bread looks like a body broken with a spear. And in this dream, this poured out wine, blood, and broken bread body of the beloved, gentle, patient, trustworthy servant looks very much like a covenant an embodied promise that God would never forsake you. And whenever we drink and eat the wine, blood, and bread body, we remember this embodied covenant. We dream of him. And at the pouring of blood and the breaking of body, there was no shout or raising of voice the justice of God gushed out into the world. Jesus, the true Son of God, the true Beloved One of God, the true Israel, the true gentle, kind, trustworthy servant, the true bringer of justice, brings freedom and salvation as he held onto the cross with the same intensity of love that he shows you now. Yahweh whispers, even if it might not feel like it at this present moment, for just a second, in those blue couches, in this strange brick building, just dream, just imagine that it were real. Where are you this evening? Have you dared to dream? Have you dared to hope? Have you dared to entertain the possibility that what is impossible might be possible? And in doing that, are you allowing God's dream to break into your lives? Will you let the you? In Isaiah 42, become you, the chosen ones, the ones in whom God delights, the one through Jesus who has God's spirit, the ones who will bring justice into the world through God by opening eyes and setting captives free. Will you be the embodied covenant? What would that look like I want to end with three possible dreams the dream of gentleness the dream of patience and the dream of trustworthiness and then we'll have a quick Q&A after that one of the most profound things that I've heard in the last 10 years uh, was actually a few months ago with my counselor he said Sam you get you get triggered a lot when you see injustice in the world and he said to me you know what Being triggered is not right or wrong. Triggering happens when your core values are being violated. Yep. What is right or wrong or godly and ungodly is not triggering, but your values. And then how you respond to triggering. Triggering is not right or wrong. What's right or wrong are those values and whether you're going to act in a godly or ungodly way when you have that emotional response. When we are met with injustice, we might, or we ourselves see injustice, we might start to feel marginalized, bruised, and bent, and smoldering. We might start to think that we should fight fire with fire. That to gain justice... We should use the means of the and methods of the oppressor. Jesus, the bruised, smouldering wick, was a victim of injustice. But he never used victimhood as a badge or a means for vengeance. He willingly gave himself up. He spoke the truth, but he never did it in a vindictive way. Dreaming gentleness in injustice means, one, we have to open our eyes and soften our hearts to see the imbalance of privilege that exists in our world. And sometimes we can't know that unless we actually start listening to people on their terms. And that takes incredible courage and vulnerability, following the footsteps of our gentle king, who allowed sinners and broken people to invite him over for dinner. Gave them the power to be hospitable to him. Dreaming gentleness in injustice means that our hearts break when we see injustices, and we should shed tears for those who face injustice and let them cry on us and with us, just as our gentle Jesus did. And gentleness and tears does not equate to weakness. Gentleness is knowing the power that you have in whatever capacity and choosing to be gentle. Jesus could have done a million things with the power that he had, but he chose the path of gentleness. Crying and having our hearts broken And being gentle, when we do have power, is a choice. Dreaming, number two, dreaming patience in injustice means that we acknowledge that only God is the one who avenges. We are patient in waiting for God's vengeance. God is the one who is just and will act. And we wait for him. Because justice is not by might nor by power, but by His Spirit. Dreaming patience means that the burdens that we carry for others, although it has the potential to break us, it doesn't. Because these burdens are given over to God, who can hold worlds of burdens. And then we dream justice with Him and submit our frustrations, hopes to Him. And say, just as our patient just King said, your will be done. Dreaming patience means that we don't grow numb or get overwhelmed with injustice because it's in the world that we live in. Doctors often say that they get to a sometimes get to a point of compassion fatigue, and then things kind of switch around and they become clinical in their actions. But Jesus Although he was fatigued by compassion, was never clinical in his posture or his bedside manner. He allowed the realness of injustice flood him when he saw the crowds needy and hungry, and he was filled with compassion. He allowed the realness of death wash over him as he saw his friend dead in a grave, and he cried but he also waited and allowed God to work through him because it's not my will, but yours be done. Finally, dreaming trustworthiness. Dreaming trustworthiness is, again, I go back to this, practicing the ministry of a pot of tea. It's to sit in the moment with others and not demand change or transformation, or emotional healing. Because just as the pot of tea is brewing, we trust that God is brewing in the hearts of bruised reeds and smouldering candles. And we trust that by listening well, trust actually builds in desert places. By listening well, we can truly know where to speak in people's lives, when to speak God's word into people's lives and how we ought to bring justice and God's words into people's lives. To not listen is at times missing the mark. Being trustworthy means finally that we mean what we say and we say what we mean, that the words of our mouths And the deeds of our hands conform to the words and deeds of Jesus. And that takes a lot of self-reflection, self-critique, humility, and the posture to learn. Because we might make mistakes. Friends, who are the bruised reeds bent in your presence who are the smoldering candles in your community? Dream with me of an alive at five community who will be gentle, patient, trustworthy servants in Springwood and beyond. Verse 23. Which of you, of us, will listen to this? or pay close attention in time to come. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, the great dreamer of a future unknown to us, your servant Isaiah, his name means Yahweh is salvation, and you gave him a dream where this is real. So we pray this evening, lull us into an Isianic sleep, where we can imagine the isianic world that you desire give us isianic imagination to daydream your isianic vision into reality and keep us from losing hope when this dream is yet to be and it's the name of it's in the name of your dream made human we pray in the name of Jesus, Yeshua, the one who saves. Amen.